Hi, I'm Julie Wilkinson and I'm a Chartered Management Accountant and I'm excited to be launching the Build and Exit podcast. This podcast is for business owners and entrepreneurs who are looking to expand their business portfolio by acquisition or at some point in the future want to exit their business. We're going to bring real life stories and experiences of people who have grown by acquisition, who have exited their businesses and other areas of business such as funding and cash flows. So there'll be lots of opportunity to learn different areas of business and how you can, in the end, transition your business from a lifestyle to an asset. So look forward to seeing you soon. Hi, welcome to the Build and Exit podcast. Thanks for everyone tuning in. I really hope that you're enjoying the shows and I'm really excited to have Jason Quaif with us today. So it's going to be a really exciting podcast today. Jason today works on um, protecting people that are acquiring businesses, which we'll cover a bit later in the podcast. But the principle is the reason he's doing that now is part of his journey is where he's come from, from a management buyout. So um, just a bit of a background of what the podcast is going to be about is uh, Jason worked in a five mil business, was there for eight years and got an opportunity to do a management buy-in. So he was buying into the business. Obviously, the business selling was doing a management buyout. So covering a different aspect of acquisitions today. But there were some issues that occurred and ended up taking three years. So it's going to be interesting to cover these are the typical things. These are the types of things that can prolong um, acquisitions. And we're going to sort of deep dive into that. But then Jason did also successfully exit the business. So I think it's going to be really interesting to sort of cover the topic. So firstly, I just want to thank you, Jason, for coming thank on you. the show with us today. Thank you. Lovely. And sharing your story. Yes. Um, so yeah, so first of all, I just want to hand over to you. It'd be great to just hear a bit of a background and yeah, your experiences really. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks, Julie. Yeah, I... I- I've always done sales. I've always been in sales, and um, for some time I was more retail environment. So I was car sales and everything else. We were going through a recession. Well, we were just going into a recession in sort of two thousand seven, and and leading up to that, I kind of wanted to be more control. I, you know, I was reliant on people coming into the showrooms, into the retail environment, and I kind of wanted to be out there more to get business. So I kind of made a leap and uh, fell into a completely different industry, a fasting industry. And, um, yeah, I, I sort of worked from a, an area manager in the Midlands and then sort of progressed and got promoted as sales manager. And, and then that, that's where it all happened, really, where all the fun began. So that promotion, was that in the company that you ended yeah, up buying? Yeah, we had a, a national sales manager at the time who was coming up for retirement. Um, been in the industry for, for all his life, really. And um, he took me under his wing, really. And I'd said I'd wanted to, to become a sales manager, you know. And he said, well, you know, we're not, not going to be long and I'll, I'll retire. So that's what happened. He mentored me a little bit. And uh, eventually when he, he was due to retire, I, uh, I I started to take over his role. And then when he did, yeah, I became the national sales manager, which, you know, was uh, was, was was good. It was a good sort of learning curve for me. Uh, we had eight eight salespeople on the road covering the whole of the country, so um, so that was challenging, uh, but it was good, and and we was growing. It was an old, established business uh, since 1952. A lot of things needed changing, and we, we were sort of some of the younger ones. We were implementing a lot of change. Oh, brilliant. So, 
obviously you got promoted to the sales manager. Yeah. yeah. So how then did the management buyout come or management buy-in from your <laughs> yeah, side, yeah. I suppose, come, come about um, from, from the company's perspective? Like, how did you get included in that decision? Uh, yeah, strangely, it, it wasn't really put on the table. What happened is the, the two owners, they were really in, involved in a management buyout. They've, they've been in the company a long, long time and uh, there were 50-50 ownership. They were both the same age and they were both coming up for retirement age. And around the sort of 2015 stroke 16, and they were looking at a trade sale. Well, they were looking at other, how to sell it and the possibilities and everything. They did sort of come to me to say, would I, what were my, you know, thoughts on it? And, you know, would I sort of take over the business or would I consider running the business if they were to step down. So there was a lot of talk going on, but nothing about management buyout. So they they start a lot of things were going on and various meetings were set and companies from all over the you know, some of the some from Europe were coming over within the industry looking at the business. But nothing really was happening. And um, then things started to progress where within the within the industry people started talking and you kind of started getting well if there was a trade deal, staff were going to go. That's that was going to inevitable. That was going to happen. Where we were based in, in 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 the country, it wasn't an ideal location, and anyone that were within the industry would have moved that. So jobs were going to go, um, and there were a lot of staff. We had twenty five staff, and a lot of those have been that were internal staff have been with the company a long, long time. Um, you know, some were, you know, that's all they've worked, that's all they worked with. Um, so yeah, I thought, well, do you know what? That'd be a shame to let that happen. There's a lot of history with the company. So, um, well, how do I fund it? You know, how, how would I go about doing it? I hadn't got the money, you know, there's no, and got that kind of money. Um, and the figure was bounded around because they wanted, you know, a, a certain figure. And, um, so we kind of started talking and a management buyout came up. You know, would you, you know, never heard of it before. Uh, and that's how we got talking. The owners weren't particularly that um, ecstatic about the idea. But then we went to a few trade events where fun, it was a lot more of a funding type of banks and, and, and institutes were there. And uh, we, we fell upon uh, some an organisation that um, really, really sort of stuck with us. Um, I'd managed... I managed to, I was with one of my colleagues who was a general manager and we both sort of decided that, yeah, we would, we would sort of take the step of going to a management buyout if, if we could. So that's how it happened. Really. We, we kind of led it, that conversation, the own, the owners of the company didn't really sort of warm to the idea. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you a bit of a question. I mean, I hope you feel comfortable answering. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel at the when you made that decision to think yeah. about you're going to do this management buy-in? Yeah. Do you think that you felt that you had the skills to run a business at that time? Yes, I yeah yes and no. Yes, I did. Uh, um, I knew the industry. I knew the industry really well, and I was passionate enough to be able to lead the business. I'd been doing that for the time I was the, the sales manager, so yeah, I was leading it. Um, so that was, yeah, I, I, my only worry was without talking to anyone, my worry was I'm not a numbers man. So for, for the financials, it was at my depth a little bit. 
So that was a big concern I had, um, you know, when you're talking about funding a business, you know, forget the management buyout when you're talking about where am I going to get that money from? And then you start talking to people. Yeah, you kind of, I was a little bit out of my depth or I felt I was out of my depth. So the financial yeah. side of it was a bit, was was, was kind of scary. But as, as regards running it and leading it, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that at all. And then, so internally at that point, what was the finance setup like in the business? What what set, what accounting support did they have? Can you remember? Yeah, yeah really well. Um, the problem we had, and we can go into more depth about it, but the problem we had was the it was a lifestyle business. So, and that's what came out for us. It was a lifestyle business for the owners, which is great. That was fine. But a lifestyle business doesn't make it exactly the best thing to, to try and sell. So the account system we had was an old DOS system back in the 1980s. It was awful reporting, doing all the kind of financials you need to do was was dreadful. Um, so that was that was an obstacle we had to overcome. I mean, everyone used to laugh. Anyone that would come in would sort of say, you know, it's a real old business. You know, it wasn't – technology wasn't really – I mean, none of the reps – Certainly, when I took over, other reps had laptops, mobile phones. It was all it was all a bit old. So certainly, from a, a technology accountancy stuff, it was really, really, really bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can imagine. So obviously, the the um, I still see it today. You know, because I see about yeah. hundred balance sheets a month, and it's just. Well, one day I'm going to write a book, Jason. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Any, yeah. Anyway, so um, you say that the owners wasn't that keen to sell. Yes. So that's fine. But obviously, you've obviously persuaded and had this conversation. How yeah. did you then protect yourself then that this would actually happen? So did you sign an agreement at the front end or something to protect yeah, yourself we, as the buy-in? There was a couple of things. The funding group was was part of – it was heavily funded um, for where we were, and it was all about protecting jobs within the area that we were, we was in. So when they were exploring this, they were happy uh, to, to fund an equity-funded deal. They were happy to do that on the, on the information that we gave, which was kind of basic. They obviously wanted to have a delve into it, but one of the criteria we had to meet was have a, have a financial director as part of the team whether that was part-time semi-part-time or you know that was down to us but we had to have a financial director as part of the mbo team and we also had to have a, a commercial or corporate financial advisor on board so on that basis we went away we found a corporate financial advisor who was sort of, to be fair stuck with us for the for the three years um without obviously he took money up uh, the, uh, you know when, when it when the deal was done but he stayed with us all the way through and gave us some fantastic advice, to be fair. So we were able to protect ourselves by having that, having the, the people around us through through our corporate fi- commercial, well, corporate financial advisor. We were able to get a, an FD on a consultancy basis initially that the both owners agreed because we had to obviously make sure they were fine with it. Yeah, so we were protected in that respect. We had good people around us that were able to support us on the things that we weren't skilled at, but neither of us were skilled at the the, the sort of financial end um, and putting the numbers mm. together. So so that was, yeah, well, it was good in that respect. Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it, that it took the yeah. sort of the funding people to influence the, man, the the owners to put these people in, whereas maybe at a five-year yes. business, it should have been something they had in place in the first place. It, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we, 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, don't get me wrong; the businesses weren't run well, but it was because it was a lifestyle business. There were certain aspects that weren't done to to, to properly. To be fair, um, so yeah, having those yeah. people in place um, started to identify things that needed changing. So that, that was good. But to actually convince the owners, because we had good people around us, they were able to sort of not fully but manage their expectations a little bit to sort of say look you know mm-hmm. these are the things that you're going to be going through if we go down the management buyout and really really was highlighting that a trade trade deal was no that they it was never really going to happen and if it did happen it wasn't going to go the way that they were planning to go down and at that moment they never had advice so uh, mm-hmm. our advisors um really sort of threw it back to them and and, and said you know really our advice is you you need to seek advice as well which was good and they did seek advice and and that's when things started to sort of move forward a little bit okay so then obviously the end the end result is it's taken yeah. three years to do this management buyout which is obviously <laughs> yeah. a long time i think people yeah. will listen to this be like oh my god i don't want my acquisitions to take three <laughs> exactly three years yeah uh, you know, and I do see, I, I speak to a lot of people because I see about three to five acquisitions a month in Wilkeson and yeah. most people are like, oh, I'm going to sign it in a month. And I would say yeah. averagely every deal I've ever seen yeah. has probably gone on at least four or five months longer than people actually yeah. think it will. But three years is obviously quite a yeah. long time. So what was the principle behind why it took the three years in like as a sort of a summary? Why yeah, did no, it take no, so it, long? It, yeah, no, it was, it, it was really, it was kind of really easy to summarise on that. There was, there was a couple of things. One was, the deferred consideration. So obviously in an MBO, no, none of the sellers will ever get full money up front. So it was that deferred consideration. So in my case, or in our case, it was just over, over a million pounds uh, as deferred consideration. And this terminology, um, if I'm allowed to say, is like fully subordinate. So they would have to wait to get their money before the, the equity funders would get theirs. That was a big problem to overcome. I don't suppose anyone wants to wants to hear that. So that was a, that was an obstacle, and and the second one is the expectation of the overall sale price. They were looking at a, a high figure, but realistically, it was a lifestyle business, and they were aiming too high. Like anyone, you know, if you're selling a property, you know, you want the best. You know, you want the best that you can get, the the best price for it you can get. But you know, if you haven't done the work on the house, you're never going to get that price. And that was really what we were dealing with constantly you know and that was so those two things were the uphill struggles you know and it was a roller coaster one minute you sort of think oh we've overcome that and it would come back again you know because you're dealing with two people as well well we were dealing with four mm-hmm. people because you're dealing with not only the two owners but you're dealing with their partners as well who weren't really heavily involved in the business but they still had a certain say so yeah it was it was mm-hmm. that was that were the two things and that's interesting, isn't it, to think that considering you knew these people well, you know, you'd be working in this business yes. seven years and you got yeah. you still had these big challenges to overcome. It just goes yeah. to show in the industry yeah. how important that relationship is. Because if the if yeah. you've known these people for all these years, imagine just coming into yes. something where you've known someone sort of maybe a few months yeah. practically, yeah. you know, trying to build that relationship. So and and this is why I think it's so important for sellers to have their mindset. Yeah. So the deal was gone through, and now yeah. you're the owner of this business. Yeah. How many of them were you? Uh, there was like how many two, of you did yeah, it? In the man- management buyout team, there was three. So there's myself, a colleague, three. who was the general manager, and then we our FD. 
Okay. So there's three of you. So yeah. so you do the but you do the deal, you now yeah. own you've got this deferred consideration. So then how long after the, so then what happened after that? Did you find it easy to take over this business? Do was it like what did you find? <laughs> well, one of the questions I said to my corporate uh, the corporate financial advisor at the just before we were completing, my concern was Bearing in mind, we've got people around us. We've got a lot of people around us, and we've got a lot of resource around us um, while we were going through this. Certainly, the last 12 months, we had a lot of people um, that we could call upon. And my worry was, once the deal's done, we're on our own. And and I was concerned. I hadn't got the experience. I don't know wrong. I, I knew I could do the job, but I hadn't got the experience of being an M- a managing, uh, managing director. I hadn't got that experience of of certain things I thought, you know what, I'm going to be on my own here. What's what's going to happen? So um, I don't know what to do. And then I started getting a little bit, whoa. And, and he actually said, right, okay, what we'll do is once you take over, once the deal's done, we'll have a, have a meeting and I'll start getting introduced to some people that will be able to help you through that journey. And that's what actually happened. Within, within sort of uh, just over the first week, we had a meeting and it was really – throwing me on the lines of now you've, you, you've been working in the business you know you've been as you know for that for length of time now you've got to take yourself out and work on the business and that's what you've got to do and that was the best advice I had really because that from that moment that's what I did I was lucky enough to join a uh, Vistage and I was able to call upon um, some great mentors um, and I had a great me- couple of great mentors that, who was giving me some one-to-one coaching as well and that really put me in a good stead to be able to work on the business rather than working in it, which was great. So, yeah, that, that, I wouldn't say it was easy, but but it was having the right people around at that moment in time was certainly was certainly um, very helpful uh, to get what needed to be done. So that was good. Okay. So obviously prior – so the day before the sale goes through, you're working in the business yeah. and you sort of learn yeah. over this period of time to transition to working yeah. on it. Yeah. So how yeah. did you do that transition? Because obviously that means you have to replace you, first of all, probably, because yeah. what you yeah. were doing. So how yeah. how did you do that? Well, it's lucky enough, we were already doing that anyway because of the amount of oh, okay. time. Because of the amount of time that this uh, the management buyout was taking and the process that we were – because naturally I was more external for the business anyway, so I was more out. I wouldn't say I was out on the road, but I was out because I was overseeing the sales force of eight. And obviously at that moment in time, I was probably looking at, we were looking at other other possibilities, other uh, uh, other opportunities within the company. So I was fortunate enough that I was removed anyway to a certain degree. So I had people in place um, and so did my colleague. But when, when I did change over, uh, it was quite easy enough to do and uh, put people in place. So yeah, that that wasn't a problem. That never came as a problem to actually go right now. I'm, the problem was, what do I do? And and that's having the good, the good people around you. You know, and that would always anyone who was going to go is going through an MBO. I'd always you know my advice would make sure you've got the right people around you that can, you know, can steer you and guide you through that process, even when you take over. Okay. You know, it's good to have those people. Yeah, around. yeah. And who and what would you say those people are? So, if you were going to give, if you could pick a few people, what do you think are the key things people need in a business if they're going to do this MBO? I, I suppose really falls down to who the MBO team are, and it could be, you know, they could be seasoned. You know, it, I, I, for us, we were kind of, I wouldn't say we were naive in business, uh, but we obviously we lacked certain skills, 
And it was having people around you that could recognize that and, and, and not necessarily, you know, hold your hand and, 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 and tell you what to do, but actually to just guide you and, and, and having people, I used to hear the word, you know, it's a sounding board, you know, having people that you can actually, you know, say things to or, you know, have, have certain things that you think is that the right way to do. And they can actually maybe not tell you what to do, but actually uh, sort of offer you, you know, and challenge you. You know, sometimes that's good. You know, I found that good. Sometimes I didn't like it. But to be able to challenge you to make sure you are, you are going on the right course and you're doing, you're doing the MBO, you're doing, what, you're doing this for the right reasons. Um, so, so that was, uh, yeah, it, it, that, that would be it. Making sure that you, I, I couldn't say who, because it depends on the skill set of the management buyout, you know, management team. But I yeah. certainly make sure that you've got, identify what skills you haven't got or you're lacking in and make sure you've got people around you that can, can add to that because you will need it. You know, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Okay. So Sad. then you, so you, so how long after you bought the business did you sell yeah. it? Yeah, no, it was within 12 months to be fair because of the length of time that it took. And I was more heavily involved with the process than my colleague was because my colleague was internal. So a lot of the time it was, it was unfortunately down to myself to, to sort of be in the meetings and, 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 and have those conversations and all that kind of stuff. So um, it took, I didn't realize at the time, but it took a lot out of me and, and where I, I was doing a lot of traveling because I, it wasn't local. Um, it was, I was doing a fair amount of traveling every day. So when I, when we took over, the realization was, well, I've achieved what I've wanted to achieve. We bought the business. I've, you know, the criteria is the staff. The staff are going to be there. You know, no one's losing their jobs. In fact, um, we were in a stronger position because we had the funders we had at the time. I didn't realise, but I was kind of, you know, do you know what? It might be time to sort of start looking at handing over, and then me moving on. Within the twelve months, I started to feel that, and and we had the conversations and everything else. And I was lucky enough to have again the right people around. And I was able to make sure that someone could, could take over. And then, yeah, sort of within, we were going through COVID as well. Um, so um, those conversations are going on in COVID. And, and so, yeah, in the June, sort of to the August, really, I, I'd sort of um, bought, sold back my shares because that was part of the agreement, you know, the, the share buyback and everything. So um, I did that, made sure that it was handed over. And, and yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, very good story, Jason. I think a lot of people benefit because I don't think a lot of people, a lot of businesses don't think about a management buyout. Yeah. I don't always think, but it is actually yeah. a good route for sometimes to sell. But it just yeah, it, it just goes to show, doesn't it, though, like how, and and this is just what I think, because I think it's it seems stress, it gets a bit stressful for everybody. I mean, yeah. I always think if you're looking at an MBO, and yeah. maybe it was because maybe part of yours happened because, maybe the owners hadn't really thought about it themselves. You've yeah. kind of brought the idea to yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas maybe if the owners had been thinking about, well, I want to sell it, could I do yeah. a management buyout? Yeah. All these years when they were training you, you might yeah. have been able to build all those processes in exactly. over sort of those five exactly. years that you were working yeah. there. And then it, the process would have been easier. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's really powerful to think you've bought and sold. Um, so now here we are today. And um, yeah, just tell us a bit about you, obviously, from that, because we yeah. I talked to you quite a bit about it, didn't I? Yeah, from exactly. that experience, I know you're very passionate now about how yeah. to protect yourself in these yeah. sort of circumstances. So yeah. just tell a little bit about the insurances that you focus on now yeah. for acquisitions. Yeah, it all stems really from going through the management buyout process, to be fair. Um, don't get me wrong. We had great people around us, as I keep saying, that were great advice. But one of the things that we, uh, after talking to other people that went through the manager buyout process, maybe not as long as 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 we did, it's the deferred consideration that always seems to present. I'm not no, that's wrong. Not always. Typically, seems to be a problem. So I kind of thought, you know what? In my time now, is how can we de-risk that, or how can we make it and manage everyone's expectations of it? So that's kind of what I do now. I look at presenting that, overcoming that problem, but presenting some some solutions that can de-risk it, that benefits the sellers, so that they then that risk element can. Because the big thing is for a seller in a manager buyout is, okay, we've got these people in place that we may maybe we've made key within the business. Now we're going to hand it over to them and sell it to them. We've got this debt that's owed to us over a period of time and we're subordinates we've got to wait for our money what happens if something happens you know what we're going to do and that's that's a key you know it's been able to say look you know well here's a solution you know you don't necessarily need to worry because if something did happen you're covered don't worry about that and if we if if a management buyout team can can cover that then that's a big problem so it's not gone away but it's a big problem that uh doesn't need to carry on. So that's kind of what I look at now. And certainly anyone who's, you know, looking to sell the business, you know, I I sort of like to make sure that they are fully aware there's certain things that makes it more attractive and helps in in that transition process. You know, so like making sure anyone yeah. that you've got key within the business is kind of protected really, which which is it yeah, you know yeah. goes a long way. So they're they're the kind of things really that is my driver now to make sure that anyone who's looking at an MBO is 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 looking at certain things, not just we'll get the funding in place. Um, and anyone who's looking yeah. to sell through an MBO or any anything, but they're looking to sell in general is is, is work, working with people like yourself, Julie, and just see see how we can de-risk some of the potential uh, issues or problems mm. that could arise. So yeah, that's where yeah, I'm at. definitely, and obviously. Yeah, it's really good. That's why I wanted to get you on because obviously I've been sort of speaking to you over just the last few months or whatever, and I was like, oh yeah, this is quite good. So yeah, I definitely yeah. think it'll be useful for some of the people we work with. Yeah, as well, no, exactly, um, exactly. Like you say, so um, yeah, well, very interesting, uh, Jason. I think no, this is brilliant. You. I love it. I love, I love seeing people that you know you don't. We just sort of brought this MB up in conversation one yeah, time. It's no, not really exactly. something that you talked exactly. about, but it's a good yeah. expert. But it's really good for people to see that, you know, these things do happen, yeah. <laughs> even if it does take a long time, actually, in the end, it can still be successful. Um, but then, like you yeah, said, exactly. at the end of it, you know, about how you felt afterwards, you know, yeah. the, the problem is, although you've got these insurances and things that are great, you know, if yeah. maybe the sellers had done something different, because it just sounds like after that 
it was a bit traumatic, maybe the MBO process. Yep. And maybe at the end yep. of it all, you're a bit just a bit burnt out. And maybe yep. the love yep. that you had that you thought you would have when you bought it yep. had burned out. And that might have been because of this thing just dragged on all the time. And yep. I know what it's like if it's going up and down to the last yep. minute, you're worrying all the time about yep. well, what's it going to exactly. end up being. Exactly. Um, so, yep. I, exactly. so I think like it's a really good, although it's good for people buying in because it shows what sorts of things they need. Yep. I think people buying, selling, like they need to consider this because, you know, if they want to protect yep. their deferred consideration, they've got to make sure that they're, you know, also yep. helping the buyers to, you know, have, you know, a, a good exactly. price. Because exactly. anybody that overbuy, anybody that overbuys, it's likely that what's going to happen is, in the end, they've overpaid, so it's going to struggle in the business, and that might mean it even is. though if you've got a clause it in it to draw claw the shares back, it means if the company's yeah. dropped fifty percent or something, it puts then a lot of stress back on that. So nobody benefits to that. Yeah, so exactly. um, no, I think yeah, exactly. it's been a great story for. Yeah. So no, so it's really for good. It's on, good Jason. No, no, good. No, thank you for inviting me. It's you been liked nice. it. It's, it's good. So if people do want to need this insurance or want to chat to you about anything, yeah. where can they find you? Yeah, I, well, you know, I'm a, a, I act as a consultant, so I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn as well, which is good. <laughs> Do you want to drop your email? Do you want yeah, to say your email yeah, just yeah. so people have got it? Yeah, yeah. So that's it's jason.quaife. So it's uh, Q U A I F E at quaifinnersite.uk. Brilliant. Well, thanks for um, being on, and I hope the listeners enjoy it and uh, look out for lots more episodes. So, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you think there's anyone else in your network that might benefit from our podcast, then please share it with them. Either just click the link and send it to them or send it in a Facebook group or other social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe so other podcasts come to you directly as and when we launch them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you next time. We've got some really exciting things coming up and we'll see you again soon. 